You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Did Darkseid really see the light and shut down with a sincere promise of reform and restitution, or is the gang just rebranding? Researchers look at Darkseid ransomware and find complexity and sophistication. Israel says airstrikes in Gaza were intended to take out Hamas cyber ops facilities. Poor practices seem to have exposed data of millions of Android app users. Phishing from call centers and cloud services. David DeFore from Webroot looks at hacker psychology. Our guest is Rob Price from Snow Software on Shadow IT. And who done it to SolarWinds? Not the intern. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, May 20th, 2021. There had been a disturbance in the ransomware underworld that began last week with claims by DarkSide that its infrastructure and funds had been seized or otherwise disrupted. The gang promised to issue decryptors to all of its victims and to meet its financial obligations to its affiliates by May 23rd. Some other gangs also appear to have pulled in their horns. But it was unclear exactly what had happened to Darkseid. The gang's statements prompted speculation last Thursday that it had been taken offline by U.S. law enforcement action. But the Washington Post reported yesterday... Four U.S. officials have quietly denied that any U.S. military, law enforcement, or other agency did anything of the kind. Various dark side affiliates have been complaining that the ransomware-as-a-service gang stiffed them of shares of ransom it owed them, which makes it appear likely that Darkseid simply absconded on the plausible pretext that it was being rousted by the law. Now I hear you say it's only May 20th, Maybe they'll have ponied up by Sunday, as promised. Well, okay, but I wouldn't build too many hopes on that promise. Many observers expected the gang to rebrand and resurface, but whatever the eventual fate of Darkseid proper is, Risk IQ finds that a number of its affiliates are still going strong and, in principle at least, capable of deploying malware. So it's by no means a good time to let your guard down. As far as the temporary eclipse of other ransomware gangs, posting of stolen data to name-and-shame sites, for example, fell off significantly last week, that seems to have been a temporary pause. 
Citing work by Recorded Future, Reuters says that rates of ransomware activity have now returned to near-normal levels. Zazomi Networks has released its study of DarkSide's methods. The malware begins by collecting information about its targets. It systematically bypasses potential victims in Russia and some other former Soviet republics. It selects victims' files for encryption, and it's apparently choosy about those it picks— The malware uses self-encryption and dynamic API resolution to avoid detection, and it disables known backup solutions it finds in place in target networks. Its use of symmetric and asymmetric encryption is notably more sophisticated than was found in early ransomware strains and makes it less likely that the victim will be able to break the encryption on their own. DarkSide has also thrown up some recent variants that show enhanced capabilities— Fortinet researchers found that the ransomware is now capable of detecting and compromising partitioned hard drives. The U.S. Congress continues to deliberate legislation intended to protect critical infrastructure from cyber attack. Hearings on Tuesday took testimony from senior military leaders responsible for cyber operations, the U.S. Naval Institute writes, and The Hill reports that Energy Secretary Granholm yesterday told the House Energy and Commerce Committee that she favored applying the same security standards the power grid faces to pipelines. Secretary Granholm stated, quote, If we had the standards in place, would this particular ransomware attack have been able to happen? You know, I'm not 100% sure. I do know that having good cyber hygiene on the private side, as well as on the public side, is a critical basic defense. And for entities that provide service to the public like that, especially critical services like energy, I think it's an important consideration for this committee, for sure. End quote. She suggested that the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission cybersecurity guidelines for the power grid might serve as a useful initial model for pipeline regulation. The record reports that two Israeli airstrikes against targets in Gaza were intended to hit Hamas cyber operations centers. A strike on May 14th is said to have hit what Israeli Air Force sources call a cyber equipment storage site in the northern Gaza Strip belonging to Hamas military intelligence. The record adds that the site was apparently also serving as a data center. The building also housed civilian media offices, NPR and others reported at the time, among them offices of the Associated Press and Al Jazeera, who say they were unaware of the Hamas presence and that media personnel narrowly escaped being killed in the strike. Yesterday's strike targeted what the Israeli Air Force described as a hideout apartment that was used by the terror operatives for offensive cyber activity against Israeli targets. Researchers at Checkpoint say their examination of 23 Android applications found 13 apps that exposed data of more than 100 million users, The problem lies in the developer's misconfiguration of such cloud services as real-time database, notification managers, and storage. The report finds that among the more common poor practices was the embedding of push notification and cloud storage keys in the apps themselves. Palo Alto Network's Unit 42 has found that the controllers of Bazaar Loader, malware that backdoors infected Windows hosts, is now using trial subscription fish bait to direct victims to a call center that walks them through the process of installing the loader. They're calling the operation Bizarre Call. 
Inky describes an ongoing criminal campaign that uses phishing to induce the victims to give up their email credentials. The fish bait is a bogus RFP, and the emails originate from compromised accounts that are generally known to the recipients. They were staged from the cloud-based content sharing system Adobe Spark. Proofpoint is also seeing abuse of cloud content sharing services. In this case, the platforms affected are from Microsoft and Google. This approach, the company notes, lends an appearance of legitimacy to criminal phishing attempts. And finally, at RSA, SolarWinds CEO Ramakrishna updated what's known about the compromise of SolarWinds Orion platform. CyberScoop reports that, among other comments, he retracted earlier claims that the incident arose from an intern's carelessness. So the intern, it turns out, didn't do it. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. It is probably not off-base to say that the shadow cast by Shadow IT grew longer in the past year, thanks to the shift to remote work and to co-mingling of home networks and devices with business functions. Rob Price is Global Solutions Consultant at Snow Software, and he joins us with his thoughts on Shadow IT. Personally, I would define shadow IT as something that has not been adopted as a a, a corporate standard or been ratified um, by, let's say, internal IT. To me, um, shadow IT is is what occurs when an individual or a business unit um, seek technology capability to aid them in their um, day-to-day roles uh, and improve their productivity that may not have been vetted by the core IT organization with, within a, uh, an end-user environment, within a computer environment. 
Is it fair to say that um, much of the time when when folks uh, resort to using shadow IT that they they have good intentions in mind that they're just trying to get their work done? Um, absolutely, that 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 is fundamentally correct. Um, and you know, over the years, I, I've seen it adopted or, or, or used in multiple different ways where. Uh, finance organisations have put data loss prevention systems in place, and um, you know tied people to their desks, and and folks email home spreadsheets to their private accounts so they can work on them in their own time before you know sending it back um, prior to Monday morning, and being able to see those types of activities, shadow IT itself isn't just about new applications; it's about working practices that take data outside of the um, security boundaries of an organization. How much of this is, how much of this comes down to communications? In other words, you know, the IT folks taking a collaborative approach to this rather than viewing it as something that could even be adversarial. I I think this is a a, a fundamental shift in uh, working practices and and how organizations need to, to interoperate you know, traditionally, um, IT has been let's let's call it you know an underfunded area of business. Very seldom do we ever see uh, IT budgets uh, you know running higher than an organisation needs them to. Mm. And I think by the nature of our, our traditional insular um, you know IT folks, the it's easier sometimes for them to say no than it is to say yes. And we we need to turn um, IT from. Um, what I, I would call a service unit within businesses into a much more positive, um, proactive uh, uh, business unit. So we should be looking at and encouraging IT to be at the forefront of um, advancement within the organisation, not as a, a cost centre that's, that's a drag on budgets. And that's a really, really big shift in, in you know, organisational culture, not, well, I mean, global culture, we, we need to turn the, the IT folks into the forefront, I think, of, of our businesses. Really make them a business enabler. Yeah, absolutely, and celebrate their capabilities. Not, you know, I mean, from where I started, pulling boxes of paper out the back of a line printer, you might as well have put me in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> right. and, 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 and these guys really need to be, you know, have a seat at the top table. Let's empower our, our CIOs. You know, what can technology do for the business? Let's be on the front foot and take the advantage. And, you know, the more we see it in, to, in this, you know, today's day and world, it's, it's you know, cloud-first strategy is one thing, but actually that just means somebody else's hardware. You know, what do we really do? And how do we empower these people to be thought leaders, not um, fulfill services that somebody else is already requesting? That's Rob Price from Snow Software. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. 
That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is David DeFore. He's the vice president of engineering and cybersecurity at WebRoot. David, great to have you back. Great to be back, David. I know today you wanted to touch on uh, something interesting here. It's uh, comparing hacker psychology with vaccine-related threats. Thread that needle for me. Where do those two (laughs) things cross over? Well, I mean, hackers are expert in vaccine distribution. You probably didn't realize that. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, they probably would be pretty good at it if we could get them to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. Um, But but seriously, around the psychology here, about a year ago, um, when when we started really picking up steam on, on the coronavirus, COVID, we saw massive amounts of negatively branded warning sites saying, you need to submit information here. We need to get your social security number here to protect yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Really negative push on, on, on these malicious sites that were stood up specifically around COVID because uh, malicious actors, the hackers, they take advantage of whatever the psychological mood is. And right. so the, the interesting thing, which I'm about to reinforce is, and, and this is good news, David, it's everybody should feel great. They've shifted to a really positive mood now about (laughs) entering your information here to get the vaccine. You know, give us your credit card and we'll put you on a vaccine list, things like that. So what's what's interesting is the world went negative. So did they. As we've gone positive, they're actually becoming more positive as well. Just so I make sure that I'm following you here. the case that you, the case that you're making is that uh, we should be grateful that the bad guy, the scammers, have switched from a uh, as using fear uh, as their method to get you to click, and now they're using hope as their method to click. <laughs> That's- so somehow, some I I mean I suppose so. We're just, we're we're saying that's more than a lateral move. <laughs> well, I, I mean fundamentally, if your information is going to be stolen, wouldn't you want to feel good about it instead of bad about it? I see. All right. Well, thank you very much, David DeFore, Vice President of Engineering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you some more rope to hang yourself here, <laughs> <Okay>. David. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, the, the the message is a good one that the the uh, the scammers absolutely follow uh, whatever is in the public eye, right? So whatever the media is pushing and whatever buttons they can push on people, they do that, and that's what they're doing here. That that is exactly right, and and honestly, if. If I was someone, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I'm not hugely interested in psychology, but if I was interested in psychology, this would be a fascinating topic because they truly shift their attack surface and, and by attack surface, the way they stand up and they socialize, they shift it based on the mood because – Based on society's mood, people are more liable to click into something. You know, when when you're worried about getting a virus, you're going to give your information to someone who's going to tell you about it. When you're excited about getting the vaccine because maybe it's going to help you, you're more liable to give your information. So they're very, very good at tracking this psychological, um, you know, footprint of what people are feeling and then standing up uh, attack surfaces that take advantage of that. That's really the point here. Yeah, and I suppose too. I mean, they they have so much real time information coming in when they're, especially when they're doing these kind of spray and pray operations. 
you know, they can track which emails are working. Is is hope working more than fear this week? Well, let's head in that direction. Yeah, it's that's exactly right. I mean, think of it in in a, in a real business case. Think of it as you know the the website marketing where you're standing up a product and you maybe have three or four uh, mechanisms for trying to position that product and you're you're tracking which one sells better. That's the same thing they're doing. They're standing up three, four, five things, seeing which ones are trending better in terms of stealing information, and then they go all in on that based on on the success. Yeah. All right. Well, David DeFore, thanks for joining us. Hey, great being here, David. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.